Good morning. My name's Thad Lanthrop. I'm the executive pastor here at CIV, and I am glad that you could be with us. We are continuing on with our message series that we are calling The Helper this morning. At the end of Jesus Christ's life, he said in John 14, 26 through 27, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. But let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Doesn't that sound good? Jesus left his followers the Holy Spirit and the Helper will bring to remembrance all that Jesus had told him. That's that's us. Those that have made Jesus the Lord of their life get the Helper to come reside in them and to help them remember God's ways so they can act in line with God's ways. God promises good in our life if we live life in line with His ways. Part of that good is peace. A lot of times we think peace is circumstantial. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. Many of His followers, they went on to live lives filled with persecution. Many of them died on the cross like Jesus died on the cross. That was their death. Yet, Jesus promised peace And they had it. A couple of years ago, we asked Brad Rosman to um, share about a time when there was no peace in their circumstances, but God gave it to him and his family. Take a look at this video. Hey, everyone. I want to share about a time when God's peace that transcends all understanding became very real to my wife, Lindsay, and me. Thirteen days before our third child, Luke, was born, we got a diagnosis that he had a very life-threatening birth defect and that his specific case was labeled severe. We were told he likely wouldn't survive. It was one of those instant life-changing moments. And to spare you any suspense, if you don't know Luke's story, uh, he is now a healthy, thriving, active, joyful one-and-a-half-year-old. The Lord spared his life through two successful surgeries and miraculous healing that took place in his body. In America, we often think the definition of peace is the absence of trouble in our lives. We are either in a state of trouble, or we're in a state of peace. But in John chapter 14, Jesus told his disciples, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. And he wasn't promising them a life without trouble. So if not, what was he promising? When Luke was born, he was immediately surrounded by so many doctors, I couldn't even see him. I was standing there powerless and helpless. If the absence of trouble is what peace is, then I had no peace because I was drowning in trouble. And yet in that moment standing there, I did have peace. How? A close friend and mentor told us a week before Luke was born that the real definition of peace is trusting that God is who he says he is and who he has always been. It's a belief or a choice, not a feeling. God will be no different in this situation than he's been at any other point in history. And no matter the outcome of our circumstance, God is the same. And believing this gives us peace that he is in control, especially since we have no control at all. Our mentor also told us that the way to act on God's peace is doing the next right thing. And that doing the next right thing always requires a faith step, and that always requires endurance to keep doing it. The way we applied this to our circumstance and received God's peace was to turn 
Luke's life over to God. We prayed on the way to the hospital and committed to love, follow, and trust God no matter what happened. And this wasn't a one-time thing. We had to recommit to it daily. Did the fear go away immediately each time we did it? No, we were still scared, but we weren't consumed by the fear. We were able to be above it. It really is a peace that surpasses all understanding because you can't even really explain it. It helped us be calm in decision moments and in traumatic moments, and it helped us endure through the process. And throughout the process, God was also faithful as we took these faith steps to give us displays and reminders of his control and his love. And I could give a thousand testimonies of all the things that he did. In the end, we grew and were strengthened in our faith for the next storms that come. In Luke 21, 19, Jesus said, by your endurance, you will gain your lives. And looking back, if the circumstances had gone differently or even horribly, I have no doubt that God would have been faithful to teach us different things and grow us in different ways. He has built a track record of faithfulness so that we can trust him when the next trouble comes along, and it will. Elizabeth Elliot sums up best how we experienced peace. She says, the secret is Christ in me, not me in a different set of circumstances. Thank you for letting me share this, and we will always be grateful to our church family for your prayers and support as we went through this. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, was able to give the Rosmans peace in the middle of a, a real traumatic and scary time. And as Brad described, it, it wasn't this linear peace that they experienced. There was moments that were traumatic and scary. And in those moments, they had to, to decide, are we going to trust God in the middle of the circumstance that looks like it could go bad very quickly? And that's what we're looking at in this message series. We're looking at the war within. It's, it's, there's this moment by moment, day by day questions that Christ followers have to wrestle with. And that is, am I going to handle this situation God's way or my way? And there's big circumstances where we see this. There's also just small day to day attitudes that where we, we have this war within us. What are we going to do? Are we going to choose God's way or our own? The goal of this message series is to bring clarity on how to walk by the Spirit. The helper is given to God's followers, but we have to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit when He's reminding us of God's ways. So that's what we're trying to do in this series. And it is in this yielding process that we find a battle going on inside of us. The book of Galatians gives a tremendous amount of insight on how to walk by the Spirit. We're going to look at Galatians 5:16 through 26 for the rest of this message series through the end of September. And the context for this book of Galatians is that God's people were being misled by false teachers. These teachers were adding Jewish law to the gospel. A summary of how someone commits their life to Christ, a summary, and, and the gospel, the good news for people, is found in Romans 10.9. It says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That is the gospel. That is the good news. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. 
If you have not yet confessed Jesus as your Lord, then this is, this is how you do it. You confess that Jesus is the Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Salvation is the gift of God, not by works. But the Galatians, what we're seeing here in this book is that they're being deceived by false teachers that were telling them they had to do these other customs to be saved from their sins. And we see that in Galatians 5, 1 and 2. It says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. God's people were instructed by false teachers that men had to be circumcised in order to be in a right relationship with God. They had to follow these additional rules to really be a Christ follower. But the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, is saying, no, no, no. There is freedom in following Christ. Freedom from the sin that has weighed you down and caused damage in your life. And there's freedom from this law that God had given before Christ. Jesus fulfilled that law. When he died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, we no longer have to make sacrifices like they did in the Old Testament to atone for their sins. Jesus was the sacrifice and we are forgiven of our sins through Christ. So the Christ follower is free from this. But the Christ follower is not perfect now just because they've decided to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior to confess that Jesus is Lord and believe in their heart that God raised him from the dead, we're still in this broken world. We're still marred by the sin that is around us and, and inside of our hearts. And we continue to wrestle with this question. Am I going to handle this situation God's way or my way? And as we wrestle with this question, Christ followers experience a tremendous amount of inner conflict. Galatians 5.17 describes this. It says, For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is describing what is going on inside of us as we decide? Am I going to handle this situation God's way or my own? The desires of the flesh can be defined as the things against God. That is how Paul, the author, used the word flesh. It isn't just our physical flesh that we see um, on, on the outside and, and the inside too as well. It is our thoughts, our emotions that... Uh, that are of this world and not God's ways. And the Spirit is God's ways. This is describing the help of reminding us of God's ways. And then we want to do our own way. And so there's this back and forth struggling going on of wanting to do it God's way, but wanting to do it our own way. Wanting to do it God's way, but wanting it to do our own way. It's this war within. I have, I felt this war within this week. To make a long story short, our chairs that we ordered for the auditorium, they should have been here two weeks ago. And I they just keep being delayed more and more. 
and more. And the, the fabric uh, supplier, they, they can't get the fabric in. They're ready to make them. They just need the, the fabric. On Wednesday morning, as I was getting ready for this message, I received an email from the chair company, another 10-day delay. And this delay made it seem like there, there's no way we're getting the chairs in time for our grand opening and for our anniversary. I was, I was mad when I got this email. I was angry. Not having the chairs, it's creating more work for the staff. Um, we're borrowing chairs from other churches, and they need them back, so we're starting to take some of them back. And so I thought, we're going to have to start spending money to rent more chairs. And I just started to, to write this response email. You know those emails <laughs> that aren't, you shouldn't hit send. But you just start and you start going and I'm, I'm looking up dates of when we ordered them back in April to see when they should have been here and I'm putting those in the email and I, I want to send it because I want them to take responsibility for what they, for what's going on. I want them to get us the chairs here in time and I, I want them to feel bad for what, what they're doing. But at the same time, I know that's not right to go about it that way. It's okay to hold them accountable to what they said, but that wasn't the right way to do it. And so in the middle of, of writing this angry email, God reminded me, just take a break. Give it some time. You don't need to respond right now. And so I was stuck. I, was, I wanted to do the right thing, wanted to do it God's way, but I also it would have felt good just to send that email on. So I just say, God, please help me. Help me to respond the way that you want me to respond in this situation. You ever feel that way? Maybe your roommate says something that offends you or your spouse or your sibling, and you think, you know, now's the time where I can bring up all the past offenses that they've done against me. Or maybe plans change at work or with your family or friends and you don't like it. So you're going to, you're going to drag your feet. You're going to make this difficult for whoever's leading the change. And, and it's not going to be that you're not going to make it fun for them. You're going to make them pay. Or maybe there's some huge disappointment or whatever it is. We hit situations where we have to choose. Am I going to respond in the flesh or am I going to respond in the spirit? We want to do right. We want to trust God, but if we're honest, we also want to do wrong. We want to do what we think is going to get us what we want. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This struggle, this war within, it's refining God wants to use this process to keep us from doing the things that are the desires of the flesh that are going to cause destruction in our life. We have to learn how to combat the desires of the flesh that are inside of us because they are going to lead to trouble in our lives. So how do we win the war within? First of all, it helps to understand that there's enemies that are trying to get us to operate in this flesh. Christ followers have three enemies. These enemies are working together to help you and I rebel against the Lord, 
to go our own way instead of going God's ways. They're trying to cut us off from the Helper. Cut us off from the Holy Spirit giving us the help that we need to be able to choose to live God's way and experience the blessing that that is. The first enemy is the world. The world is a system of thinking. It's perspective and values that are opposite from God's is, is how the world is described in the Bible. Jesus says that he can give us peace in any circumstance. The world tells us that we can get peace when we have the right house or the right car or the right career, right? That's, that's when we can have peace. That's what the world is telling us. But the Bible talks about something different. And the way to combat this enemy is to renew our mind. Romans 12.2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind and by testing. You may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. We have to work to renew our mind, to see life from God's perspective, because we still have the flesh in us. We still have the way we think life should work. So we've got to work to to really renew it, to be able to see it from God's angle and not our own. We read the Bible. That's one way that will help us to renew our mind and really see how, how life works from God's angle and not our own. Because as we read it, we're going to come across ideas where we think, that's that doesn't make any sense. That's not the way I think life works. We have a choice there. We're going to yield to God's way or our own. Another way to help renew your mind is memorizing key verses. Maybe there's certain sins in the flesh that you um, struggle with. So you memorize a verse so that you can see life from God's angle rather than your own. Prayer is another way that we renew our mind. We pray and ask God for help with something, or we pray and ask God to help us to see life from his angle. We say, not your will, not my will, God, but yours be done. And then consistently relating with other believers is another way to really renew your mind. Get around people who speak the truth. They talk about the Bible and God's ways and also set examples for you. You know, Brad mentioned the mentor who helped to find peace and really gave him actionable ways to put that into practice. That's what happens as you're around other believers. They can help you, encourage you to renew your mind, see life from God's angle rather than your own and, and what the flesh is trying to tell us to get, uh, what the world is trying to tell us to get us off track. The next enemy is the flesh. The flesh is the desire to sin that remains after our conversion to Christ. We've talked about this already. We still have this desire to sin inside of us. After we commit our life to Christ, the way that we combat this is to walk by the Spirit. Galatians 5.16, but I say walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. How do we know if we are walking by the Spirit? We know if we're choosing to walk by the Spirit in a couple of different ways. One way is, are we doing what the Bible says? The Spirit's not going to tell us to do what's contrary to, to the Bible. So, are we doing what the Bible says and, and, and teaches us to do? The flesh is really going to be the opposite of that. 
That's one gauge to look at the result. And then the other gauge is to look at the result of our choices, the fruit that's coming out of our lives. What are we producing? And we're going to look more at that next week. Um, but that's really another way to, to gauge. Am I, am I walking by the Spirit to combat this flesh that's inside of me that still wants me to sin and choose to do life my own way? The third enemy is the devil. Uh, the devil is a powerful spiritual being who wants to be God and is the enemy of his purposes and people. The devil, Satan, wants to get Christ followers to abandon God and his ways. If he can't do that, he wants to make the Christ, make Christ followers miserable. And he does that in a lot of different ways, but one of the ways that he he can do that is to make us apathetic towards God and his ways. He'll try to do things to get us lukewarm and um, cause division and disunity among us and other people to, to get us not really excited about what God's doing at, at church or or in the relationships with other believers. James 4, 7 tells us, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We resist the devil by submitting ourselves to God and putting on the spiritual armor of God, like it talks about in Ephesians 6, 13-18, where it says, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication, supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. God has given us armor to defend against the enemy's attacks, to fight back against him, to advance against his um, attacks against us to get us to abandon God and his ways. We need to put it on and use it in our day-to-day battle against these enemies that, that we have. These three enemies are working together to try to cause this war within us and cause us to give up and to abandon God and his ways and to choose to just do it our way. This struggle happens all the time in our lives. Sometimes we don't recognize it. Other times it's, it's a big battle going on inside of us and we recognize it. But there's victory to be found in this war. There's victory in the war within through surrender. Galatians 5.18 says, But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The Galatians were choosing to add the law to their faith. The law is heavy. There's self-condemnation when you're under the law and you don't do it perfectly. It's a heavy burden having to remember to do everything just right so that your relationship with God can be atoned for, can be right. 
When we surrender to live by God's Spirit, we aren't under the law anymore. That heavy burden of having to do everything just right is gone. We are now living a life of freedom in Christ with the help of reminding us of God's ways. Instead of putting the focus on our self-effort, we are putting the focus on experiencing the freedom found in living by the Spirit. The war within will come, but the quicker we get to surrendering to God's Spirit, the more freedom we experience in life. 1 Peter 2.16 says, Live as people who are free, not using their freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. God's Spirit helps refine us as we go through this war within. Let's take some next steps together this week so that we can walk in freedom more and more and more. Next steps are the way that we respond to God's Spirit as He speaks to us through reading Bible or message or you hear a story from a friend and you think, oh, I need to, I need to do that. James 1.22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. When we hear God's word and we don't respond, it puffs us up. With knowledge, it plays into the pride in our flesh and we think we know what to do. We know what's right. But if we're not actually doing it, we're deceiving ourselves. So is there a way that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning during the message? Here's a couple next steps that might help you to take action with that. The first is to recognize the war within and ask God for help to do things his way. As you're going through the week, normal circumstances, if you get to a point where you, you feel unsettled on what to do or, or you just you, you think God's telling you to do something, ask God for help to do it His way. If you don't know what to do, ask God for help and then you might need to, to ask a, a, somebody who's more mature in their relationship with God and ask them, what, what should I do here? In this situation, this decision that I'm facing. And the next, next step is memorize 1 Peter 2.16. Live as people who are free. Not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. That's how we're free. When we live as servants of God, yielding to the Holy Spirit, and asking and, and living life God's way, we're no longer slaves to the flesh, but we can serve God and experience the blessing that comes, the freedom that comes from living life His way. And there might be something else that God has spoken to you through the message, left a blank thing, a blank uh, on the handout that you can write in something that you want to do in response to the message. Let's pray and ask God for help this week. God, we thank you so much for your perspective in the Bible that shows us it's normal. It's normal to struggle with wanting to live our own way. It's normal um, to have this battle between one, wanting to do our own thing and wanting to do what's right before you. Oh Lord, help us to surrender quickly. 
Help us to recognize the battle that's going on inside and surrender to your will and not just cave to the flesh and what we want to do. We ask for your help in this, Lord. Help us to put this into practice this week. In Jesus' name, amen.